Has Muscle Farm finally been able to silence the profitability haters that have been around since the company IPO'd in April of 2010, just as I did for the last Muscle Farm financial breakdown piece of content that I created. I do want to throw a few disclaimers. First is that I was previously employed by the company during the early 2010s or kind of what they call the golden years where they were in their hyper growth phase. So just kind of want to note that because there could be some inherent subconscious bias. And secondly, I have had a post employment relationship on the consulting side with Muscle Farm, which does have some NDA implications attached to it. But to circumvent those potential issues, I am gonna to stick to just publicly disclosed information that is provided either through current reports or financial reports filed with the SEC or any news that is easily found through internet search. So what that means is that my normal kind of strategic commentary will be much lighter in this video comparable to similar pieces of content but you shouldn't click off early because this piece of content will be packed with a ton of information that will be valuable to you. For those that didn't catch that last piece of content about Muscle Farm, you might not be aware that they are still playing catch up on their publicly filed financial statements, mostly because of a combination of like really three things. One, there was some internal control issues from the revenue recognition part in terms of like month end, quarter end, year end, kind of sales cutoff procedures that needed to be fixed. They changed their public accounting firm, the auditor that certifies their financial statements. And then they also had some senior leadership like C-suite turnover. Those all created delays. And they also had to restate all their previous financial statements before they could put out any of the new ones. And that last piece of content was talking about the three sets of 10Q, so their quarterly reports, and then also their 10K, their year end 2019 reports, but they had not filed any of their 2020 financial reports. And that was until November 24th of this year, where they did get caught up on all of their financial reports. So there was kind of like a bundling effect. They released all three of their 10Qs, their quarterly reports. So I'm only gonna be focusing on the last one. So the 2020 quarter three earnings report, but I will be picking apart some footnotes and things that are important from those other two quarterly reports. When I'm giving any financial data, I'm really talking about the first nine months and because they filed the three sets of 10Q together, pointless to break down quarter by quarter by quarter. Let's just look at a rolled up first nine months of 2020. So for Muscle Farm, their net sales number for the first nine months was $49.3 million. That was down 21% year over year. If we break this down by domestic international, they're pretty much the same. You had domestic sales down 21% and then you had international sales down 20% year over year. If we look at that sales number by customer, when there's any customers that are over 10%, you do have to break those out because there's what they call a customer risk. And Muscle Farm has a few of those. The biggest one being Costco, which makes up 37% of their revenue in the first nine months. That's up from 33% comparatively. 
Amazon is their second biggest customer. That makes up 19% of their business, which is up from 13% comparatively. They did have a new major customer added and that's Coupang is a Korean marketplace that they're now doing direct business with that makes up 13% of their business that wasn't a large customer before 2020. And then iHerb, which was a major customer in the comparative sense in 2019, now has dropped down below 10%. So like I mentioned before with the, the customer risk, anything over 10%, you break that out just because if that customer decides to end the relationship, maybe stock less SKUs or the relationship changes in some way, that could have a material effect on the company. And the three customers that roll into this customer risk for 2020 do make up 59% of the total revenue of Muscle Farm for the first nine months of 2020. Now, if we look at sales by channel, they're pretty much the same on a comparative year over year standpoint. So specialty, which oddly enough includes like Amazon, iHerb, some of the internet business, that is their largest portion at 44% of their business. International makes up 28% of their business and food drug mass makes up 28% of their business. Covering again, like the last piece of content around contract manufacturing for two reasons. One, because a lot of the community that consumes my content is interested in contract manufacturing, especially around the sports nutrition category. And then secondly, there's some attached legal footnotes that go along with this. Similar to a customer risk, if it's over 10%, it gets reported as a potential risk footnote. And Muscle Farms 2020 first nine months of contract manufacturing usage. Their biggest partner is SK Laboratories, which is 26% of their business. Then they had two new contract manufacturers that met that 10% threshold. You had the INW group, which is a consolidated group of a few different contract manufacturers. They make up 23% of the business and then Millhaven Foods makes up 22% of the contract manufacturing usage. Last year, a major Contract manufacturer was NutriBlend, which made up 25% of 2019, but now dropped below the 10% threshold. That will likely change going into 2021. And that's mostly around what I mentioned before, around a legal, kind of a legal footnote, kind of covering that with NutriBlend. In February of this year, there were legal proceedings with NutriBlend over unpaid invoices. In late September of this year, a settlement was reached where Muscle Farm would pay about $3 million in monthly payments. They would also issue additional monthly invoices. And if all the kind of payments are going well and the balance due becomes less than $2 million, the NutriBlend relationship would then go back into the ability for Muscle Farm to utilize that contract manufacturer and have a revolving credit line up to $3 million. Another contract manufacturing legal proceeding update was with For Excelsior. In March of 2019, there was also some issues with unpaid invoices. I think last updated Muscle Farm did countersue that offer, but they have been able to settle that legal proceeding and Muscle Farm will pay around $4.8 million to Four Excelsior in monthly payments starting in the first month of 2021. And the last supply side legal concern is coming from a Thermalife judgment around 
um, their usage of nitrates, that contract where Thermalife was awarded the win in that legal suit, but there hasn't been any update past the previous given one around Muscle Farm appealing that decision. Want to give some updates around just like leasing, both from an office perspective and warehousing. Muscle Farm did have warehousing that they were leasing in Tennessee. They have now ended that relationship and no longer have that lease anymore. But more importantly, they have subleased their Burbank headquarters and the gym that's attached to it. And that third party will take the remainder of the balance, which ends in September of 2022. So huge amount of costs that have been eliminated on the muscle farm front. Now, I'm not exactly sure the relationship in terms of that third party in the Burbank headquarters and if they still are able to utilize the gym in the rear of that building for things like content creation and a number of other things. But if they are not able to use any of that, it would, in my opinion, be a major blow to just the culture and the heartbeat of Muscle Farm, which has been known as the athlete's company since its inception. Looking at just like the balance sheet strength of Muscle Farm, they do have $7.4 million in debt. That is down year over year from $10.2 million. A lot of that comes down to some decisions to transfer some debt over to equity by CEO Ryan Drexler, their chairman and largest shareholder. It is important to note that a lot of that debt is actually related party debt with Ryan Drexler. That could soften a lot of the payment terms. There could be some future debt to equity swaps. That's mostly because Ryan Drexler, he does not want to cripple Muscle Farm if he's also attached to the performance of Muscle Farm. Muscle Farm also has a few different lines of credit available to them. According quarter three reporting, they still have about $2.5 million on inventory financing, line of credit available. They also have another $3 million line of credit available announced October 15th, 2020 with Ryan Drexler. They do have a good chunk of capital available to them. A lot of that's going to be utilized for their hero skew protein purchasing for combat there's still a going concern issuance with muscle farm it's been there since the inception of the company and that's mostly because of working capital and accumulated losses and the company has noted that they might need to issue more stock in relation to raising capital for business continuity purposes now all this sounds Admittedly on the negative side, but what about Muscle Farm's goal of being a profitable business in 2020? We look at this from a gross profit perspective. They did have gross margin expansion of 2010 basis points, which is an insane amount. And Muscle Farm now has a gross margin for the first nine months of 30%. And that's mostly because they've had some favorable input costs. They've been able to control distribution. They've been able to control pricing and also went through a very drastic skew rationalization process. Now, if we break this down a little bit further into some operating costs, advertising and promotional expenses decrease 83% year over year. Salaries and benefits expense was down 15% because of diminished headcount. 
Sales general and administrative costs were down 29% year over year. They noted that this is coming primarily from less freight costs, less travel expenses, diminished research and development costs, and office expenses. So what does this all roll up into? The lowered operating costs and the gross margin expansion. For the first nine months of 2020, Muscle Farm actually has become profitable, both from an operating perspective and a net income perspective. So it's a huge milestone for Muscle Farm. And though they are battling falling net sales trend, they're also dealing with a very complex operating and retailing environment that's happening with COVID-19, with the sports nutrition category. But Muscle Farm is rewriting that history with some initial baby steps here. This is definitely a big milestone for Muscle Farm and puts them in the right direction. Muscle Farm might not be that sexy sports nutrition brand from a decade ago, but it's showing signs of being that mature legacy sports nutrition brand that can spin off profits and cash for involved stakeholders.